0: stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at hellofresh.com let's get this dinner party started one of the big questions is what is
1: money for practical purposes, it exists in a series of uh, heterogeneous databases, very different databases. Do
0: you
2: believe in crypto? Digital
1: currency may be an answer, but so it is the highly speculative disaster.
0: Oh, I do own Bitcoin.
1: There is no second past. Welcome to the Crypto Curious Podcast, designed to help you navigate the dynamic world of cryptocurrency. We're here for anyone who is interested in crypto at all. Maybe you've already dipped your toe in the water, or maybe you don't know anything about it, and this is the very beginning but we recommend heading back to the very early episodes to get your footing. However, if you think you're ready to dive in headfirst, then let's do it. In this week's episode, we carry on with our updates for FTX and Sam Bankman-Fried because this saga is a pretty big one. We look at who else might be in trouble and we discuss an announcement from the US about a digital dollar. We also look at decentralized exchanges and who might be faring fairly well after the goings-on of the last 10 days. My name's Tracy and as always I'm joined by my workmates from the Bamboo app, Blake and Craig. How are you guys going after another pretty wild week in the crypto space? Pretty
3: well. Lots to talk about today. You know, <laughs> there's lots of collateral damage in the industry, and it's, um, you know, pretty pretty horrible to see, but also fascinating to watch play out.
1: There's, it's just been a lot to keep up with. How about you, Craig?
3: Yeah, I've been glued to my Twitter feed recently, Mm. and all
2: these Twitter spaces, you've been jumping in uh, them as well, Trace, quite interesting, CZ was jumping in. Everyone was jumping in. Everyone was jumping in. There were so
1: many people that were jumping in, Lynn Alden. (coughs) Elon
2: jumped in the one.
1: Elon, we we were in that one that Elon jumped into, there was not many people in there, and we happened to watch that one live, which is pretty cool, Um, but just watching all the famous people that were in there, it was was pretty cool, you know, Matthew Della was in them all the time, it was quite cool, but yeah, look, it's been a big week, and we try to keep up with what's going on, and we do have to start off with um, the FTX saga. Obviously, we put that bonus episode out um, last week, which you guys seem to love. We got a lot of feedback on that. So we do need to just carry on because we put that bonus episode out thinking, you know what, we've done a really great job covering off what's happened here, keeping everyone up to date. I think we've covered it off, boys. Done a really good job. Wake up the next day and the next more piece the of the story. puzzle, more to yeah. the story, FTX has been hacked um, so that's where we got to start off today. Last Saturday FTX was hacked so it was we don't know who has been hacked. Um, it, possibly an inside job everyone's putting their hand up to say but we just don't know it could have been done by another entity someone you know these things can be. I mean, people are saying it could be China, could be Russia, could be anyone, but it's looking more and more likely that it's an inside job. How much was it for in the end, boys?
2: $650 million and we'll get into it, but Sam reckons it's an inside job supposedly. But let's go through like what's actually happened. So the hacks happened on Saturday and then revelations came out that Sam actually had a backdoor where he was siphoning funds from FTX to Alameda to trade with without anyone knowing about it. So clearly a bit of a red flag there.
1: So what do you mean by siphling? What what, is, what does that mean? So, this-
2: so he had like a backdoor accounting situation where he could just directly deposit FTX user funds to his trading firm without anyone knowing mm. about it. Also, but I know you love your soap operas, Trace. There is love triangles between FTX and Alameda. Yeah. Apparently they all live together. There's 10 of them in this... Mansion in the Bahamas, and they're all romantically involved, and the memes have been oh, firing yes. regarding this.
1: Most of this stuff is unsubstantiated, obviously, but they're talking. Yes, love triangles, and there's apparently they all lived in one big penthouse t- together, eight of them, yeah, uh, all working and living together. So this is all cross pollination between Alameda and FTX. And again, when you talk about this backdoor earlier, was between the Alameda and FTX. So it's worth mentioning that this entire time, those two companies were meant to be remaining very separate. So when you're talking about this accounting backdoor, this was um, hidden from the people working within those two businesses. So, and only Sam had control. So that's what you mean around that. And that's only just come to light now. So- What else did we find out?
3: Yeah, Elon Musk gave his thoughts um, and said that, you know, when he was speaking with SBF, his bullshit meter was going off the Richter. And this was around the time when Sam Bankman-Fried was offering up $3 billion to help him out with his Twitter acquisition, which is an incredible amount of money. And presumably at this point in time, we could hypothesize that this was client funds.
1: Yeah, exactly. It would have been a while ago. So... Like Craig mentioned earlier, we were in one of those Twitter Spaces conversations, and it was last—it was over the weekend that we were in that. Listening, all of a sudden, Elon popped in there and popped up and was chatting, and and that's when he actually gave those comments and said a conversation was teed up between the both of them, and yeah, he he kind of thought that perhaps he didn't have the cash at the time. So interesting. What what else have we got, Craig? What else did we find out during the week?
2: Another bit of a rumor mill. Mm. The FTX employees are leaking stories that Sam, who apparently isn't a vegan, which you know, <laughs> that's the worst. That's the worst thing of them all.
1: Very upset about this week. Yeah. But
2: apparently, um, him and his Alameda crew, the, the ten people that live together, all sort of tried out stimulant drugs. Um, they advise employees to give it a try, and you know he followed quote unquote an optimal dosing schedule. So, you know, he was rumored to be sleeping in the office on a beanbag.
1: We've seen the photos of that one, so that's not such a big stretch.
2: <laughs> okay, so that's true. But um all this stuff, obviously rumor mill, but yeah, not ideal for someone that's managing ten billion or so, more probably.
1: Well look, you know, we all know that is a big thing in some of the some of the industries but look again that's all hearsay and you know when these kind of things blow up a lot of people come out of the woodwork and want to have their two seconds and put their bits and pieces up in twitter but there is a lot of a lot of those things coming out but then at one point too it's worth mentioning that we all thought sam was on the run he was on a plane a private jet somewhere and people were following that and it was all
2: people were tracking a random plane like, people were going crazy on Twitter. Poor guy is this random bloke. He's just flown his jet <laughs> and the whole world's watching him. But, yeah, he's still in the Bahamas.
1: Yeah, but you know what? That just shows there's a lot of really angry people out there who have lost a lot of money, that they don't think they're getting back and, and they, they're out for blood. But, again, he's still in the Bahamas. Apparently his dad's by his side, and the, and but they are being closely monitored by the authorities. So that's where they are. But then again this week he did put a few random tweets out. I think one of them just said what, and there were a few letters that he put out slowly saying spelling a few things out. So it was all looking a little bit random until the 17th, which was that time of recording. It was yesterday, our time. And then he, he finally replied. He did reply to a few people saying that he would do a couple of interviews. There were, I, th- I saw a few tweets of DMs with people saying he would do interviews very soon. And then out of the blue he did one with um, someone from Vox
2: Yeah, so there's two interviews, actually. The New York Times one, which was the softest piece of journalism I've ever seen. They didn't Mm. ask him anything. We'll put the link to both in our show notes, but Vox reached out to him and he actually gave Vox a lot. So article in the show notes, but um, pretty much this reporter, Kelsey Piper.
1: And she'd interviewed him about six months ago as well, so she had a, a thread of conversation going with him already.
2: Yeah, exactly right. But she actually posted screenshots of the discussion she had with SPF. Some of the little you know, quotes from there, he said, F the regulators, they make everything worse. They don't protect customers at all, which is quite rich coming from someone who just lost $8 billion of client funds. So this is proper like private message SPF talking here. And then he said that what FTX are doing, he, he made an assumption or, you know, hinted at the fact that every other big exchange is doing the same thing. And he name dropped CZ from Binance and that. So you can tell he's still a bit salty with CZ. And he also said, he's sort of implying that this whole thing was a mistake and this whole thing wasn't malicious which that is just ridiculous. Like how can $8 billion go missing as, a, as an accounting mistake? That's some of the things mm. that he's hinting at, which, mm. you know, crypto Twitter isn't buying it.
1: Mm. Oh yeah, no one's buying it. No, he's very flippant with it.
2: But he did say that his, all of his energy is going to go towards the raising the cash to pay people back.
1: What were your thoughts on it, Blake? You've had a look.
3: On the article, it's pretty crazy. It just seems like someone's Megaly deluded mm. um, with reality. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and yeah, yeah. you obviously you're potentially a drug problem, mental illness. Mm-hmm. You uh, enormous amounts of stress. He's probably yeah. probably broken the law in in many different areas, and he's basically acting like a child.
1: Yeah, goodness, could not have put that better myself. <laughs> drop. Exactly. <laughs> Pretty much. Well done. But look, go back and have a look. Like we said, there's 22 screenshots total from their conversation mixed in around um, Kelsey's thoughts in this article. So, yeah, go go and have a look in the show notes below.
2: Trace, the flow and effects, they're still mm-hmm. happening. The contagion is continuing. Who else has been... Collateral damaged in this.
1: Well, I think the big one that we've spoken about in the last couple of days is Gemini. Mm. They're not looking good. But even just yesterday, Genesis, which is huge because they're involved, like we were just talking about earlier, Craig, with Grayscale. And if Genesis is mixed up in this, then, then that's huge.
3: Basically, all the trading firms and market makers and OTC desks and aggregator platforms that look for the best price of crypto would have had to had anywhere from, you know, five to 30% of their assets on the FTX to manage liquidity. Mm. Um, so when a trade comes into their trading desk, they're able to execute on that, uh, you know, in real time on uh, on the exchange, for example, FTX. And as a result, lots of these big end players have just had a 10 to 20 haircut on their assets under management across that whole sub-industry in crypto, which is incredible to see and um, very unfortunate. Yeah. Yeah,
2: And we have to remember, like, FTX was marketed towards these guys, to traders, like – the, the normal retail user probably wouldn't be on FTX. So Blake's right. There's going to be a lot more that have exposure that comes out in the, few, in the following weeks. But also locally, we've been affected. Digi, digital Surge, which is a small Australian exchange, has been affected, unfortunately. So um, we've sort of been a bit unscathed here. But yeah, it's sad to see. You know, Hopefully Aussie, they can
1: pull through. Yeah. Yeah. Hopefully. We'll see how that goes. But look, let's kind of round that out. There's no doubt we'll probably be speaking about this again next week. There'll be something else that happens here and we'll see what happens. But as we do round it out, a little bit more news here. We all have been making jokes about this being a movie, which it will and um, we're talking about who's going to play which part where. But there actually is a book and movie deal out there, and if you've seen this, during the week, Michael Lewis, who's the author of The Big Short, um, he has and other movies like or books, The Moneyball, Flash Boys, The Blind Side. So he knows how to spin a good yarn, this guy. He's already been following um, Sam around for the last six months. So apparently, wow. yeah, he already thought that Sam – And FTX was going to be a good story regardless. This is so cool. A success story
2: he was probably planning it out to be.
1: Yeah, a success story, yeah. So this is what's happened during the week. An email from his agent to potential buyers of the book got leaked, you know, leaked, whatever it's out there. And I'll read this out to you because it's it's gold. So this is how it reads. For the past six months or so, Michael Lewis has been travelling with and interviewing Sam Bankman-Fried. His childhood and early success on Wall Street, embrace of effective altruism and the creation of crypto empire that catapulted him in record time into the ranks of the richest people in the world seemed more than sufficient for a signature Michael Lewis book. Of course, the events of the past week have proved a dramatic surprise ending to the story. It's also highlighted the rivalry between Sam and Binance head CZ. Michael likens them to Luke Skywalker and Darth Vader of crypto. So Michael hasn't written anything yet, but the story has become too big for us to wait. Let me know if I've piqued your interest. So that's the email, but like, oh, my God, yes, He's getting everybody's seri- interest. He's yeah.
2: getting some serious <laughs> offers on this.
1: So it's pretty cool, especially making that kind of reference to Star Wars. But um, everyone's like, you know, who's Darth Vader and who's Luke Skywalker? But obviously CZ's got to be Skywalker here and um, Sam's Darth Vader. But, yeah, so there you go, the book and the movie is coming um, and, yeah, we'll see how that one pans out. Let's move on to our next story uh, that came out this week. We've poked a little bit of fun here on the podcast at crypto.com in the past as an exchange that seems to be really good at flashing cash for no reason. They seem to advertise everywhere, yet I don't actually know anyone that uses them. They're kind of the the, the exchange, which is the all the gear, no idea type of exchange. They went big in buying the naming rights to the Lakers Arena for $700 and they are the official sponsors for the AFL here in Australia. They had Matt Damon in a multi million dollar advertising campaign about being brave. <laughs> Remember last month when they gave away 10 million to a woman in Melbourne who was trying to get a refund of $100? Mm-hmm. So we should have known that there was something a little off in their accounting department after that A grade cock up because there's been a few more issues that have surfaced in this last week.
2: Yeah. So the fat finger to transfer for 10 mil. <laughs> So since the FTX debacles happened, we've had a lot of on-chain analysis people on Twitter, like literally going through every exchange wallet, seeing what's going on. Are they they being safe with client funds? And someone noticed that Crypto.com sent 320,000 Ethereum to Gate.io. So what Crypto.com do is when they buy assets like Blake mentioned, they look for the places with the best liquidity where they can fill their orders quickly, so, it's not uncommon for someone like Crypto.com to be messing around with other exchanges. So, they noticed that 80% of their Ethereum reserve was sent to Gate.io and pretty pretty much people asked the, you know, the CEO, they said, what's going on? How did this even happen? And he said, it was an accident, Blake. He accidentally sent 320,000 Ethereum to gate.io. So this caused everyone to go into panic mode because clearly that is irresponsible and clearly that is, you know, a massive
3: mistake. Yeah, this is really interesting because I know that crypto.com has invested a lot in being certified with something called SOC2 and different ISO standards for internal Mm. controls, systems and processes, which um, it specifically designed... to ensure that these things don't happen. And many of these certifications came out of, you know, the mismanagement um, of, your know, banking and finance from the 2008 global financial crisis. And, you know, if they've implemented all of these systems and processes, it's pretty hard to believe that, you know, 320,000 Ethereum accidentally left their platform, which is an incredible amount of money. Um, and, you know, who knows? If it was an accident or they're, you know, really trying to cover something, um, you know, more, more concerning up. Well, not even a test
2: transaction. Like if I send, I remember I sent someone an Ethereum once and obviously you send 0.1 as a test. These guys just went raw dog, 320,000 ETH, one transaction. Like that is just insane to me.
1: Yeah, but this is the thing with 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 crypto and the blockchain. It's all out there for people to dig and people to find these transactions. Mm. I don't think their PR was very good on this. The way that they came out and explained it, their explanation on this just wasn't, just didn't hit the mark for me.
2: Yeah, well, he avoided saying the word accident. He said, mm. um, "We sent, you know, we sent funds to Gate.io, but they sent it back immediately. It's like." Clear, that's a
3: mistake. Well, it, it might not be. I know, you know, many of the exchanges at the moment are doing something called proof of reserves. Mm. So it means they're snapshotting their database um, and the crypto wallets that they have um, to ensure that the customer liabilities are met by the amount of assets that they have in their, uh, the crypto that they hold. And, you know... I might be wrong, but was IO doing a proof of assets snapshot around that time? Yes, they, they have. They've got one on there. Yeah, so this is pretty interesting that, you know, potentially these these players are moving assets around to snapshot for their audits and don't actually hold the assets.
2: Mm, yeah, just on that proof of reserve thing that Blake just mentioned, um, we'll put a link in the show notes, but this blockchain analysis company called Nansen, they pretty much track all the on-chain Movements from all the from all the layer ones and they've got now every exchange that sort of come to the party, you can see what they're holding and yeah, check it out. It's actually pretty interesting. Binance sixty billion under proof of assets. And it's pretty staggering to see the amount of money that these exchanges have on their platform. So we'll leave a link and you guys can check it
1: out. Might go to a break just there. And when we're back, we'll talk about the US launching their own digital currency.
3: Post your free job on linkedin.com slash achieve today.
1: Welcome back. You're listening to the Crypto Curious Podcast. So the US banks are launching their own digital dollar blockchain pilot. A group of US banking institutions has launched a proof-of-concept digital money platform called Regulated Liability Network. The platform has said it will be using blockchain technology to create opportunities to improve financial settlements. The program will run for 12 weeks and only operate in US dollars. The project includes a regulatory framework aligned with existing regulations. So I've popped this story in here because this came out yesterday. There was a lot of fanfare in America. America, the way that the press release was sent out, I just thought this is the banks now pushing their own um, CBDC coin because of what's happened, this for them I think is perfect timing to say, hey, this crypto industry isn't doing it right. We're going to come out now with our own, you know, digital currency and we're going to do it the right way. I thought we knew this was coming. So I just wanted to get your your comments on it, boys, and what you thought.
2: I mean, you could, it's easy to think it could be a bit sinister, but like if you think about settlements on the blockchain, it's just so much quicker, more transparent. So it's a natural evolution um, mm-hmm. for the space, but it doesn't surprise me that there's sort of, I think the whole regulation conversation is is in overdrive right now because of FTX. I think mm-hmm. I think one of the Aussie people said that they've committed to um, crypto regulation here by next year, by mm-hmm. like mm-hmm. which is a lot earlier than what we all thought. Um, yeah. So I I suspect that they will take advantage of the news cycle.
1: Blake, what are your thoughts on this one?
3: Uh, yeah, no, it's a natural progression. It's great to see that these guys are embracing the technology. Obviously, it's not decentralized, um, but you know um, they're naturally going to um, utilize blockchain technology for you know their day to day operations. So
1: yeah, good on them for pushing pushing the envelope. Let's see how that one pans out. We'll keep an eye on it. Let's move now and have a look at our decentralised exchanges, the heroes kind of, I think, after what's happened with FTX being a centralised exchange. This week, Uniswap overtook Coinbase as the second largest exchange trading Ethereum. Traders are flocking to decentralised exchanges after what happened with the FTX collapse the last few weeks. DEXs allow customers to trade crypto while retaining full control over their funds. Many DEXs have recently posted an overnight doubling in trading volume. Volumes. Uniswap is now the world's second largest volume for trading Ethereum. Binance continues to lead the category. This was what we knew would happen though, boys, didn't we, um, after what's happened here?
2: Yeah, and what we've seen as well, like it's quite interesting. Um, Uniswap's gone to the top, but exchanges like Binance and Bybit, they're actually making their own decks to try to compete. So obviously Binance is involved with PancakeSwap, which is by far the worst branding for a DEX. And Bybit, are actually, they've actually made their own um, leverage trading DEX called Apex. So these exchanges sort of see the writing on the wall here. So they've, you know, started building their own DEX where it's
3: fully decentralized. All you have to do is connect your wallet. We've seen this in the past with Bitfinex and Binance mm, building yeah. decentralized exchanges in the past and they've never been able to get traction. Mm. Uh, I think that, yeah, they kind of need to be seen to be moving in that direction, building products, but I don't think they're at all going to dominate that space.
2: Mm. Yeah, because people are still a bit sus if an exchange is involved. They want someone completely yeah. independent, right? Yeah, yeah, that's
1: that's right. Yeah, yeah. But it's good to see all of these guys doing so well. Actually, I was going to try and get a list to see who, aside from Uniswap, PancakeSwap, you know, kind of who were the other big ones up there.
2: GMX has come up that's earning like a million dollars a day in fees. That is a leverage trading platform.
1: We probably want to steer clear from promoting that one at this point in time.
3: (laughs) Yeah, probably. Next one up is Craig's favourite topic. Another NFT marketplace, (laughs) Uh, Nike, uh, has launched a marketplace called Swoosh. So, uh, Craig, do you want to tell us what you like and maybe dislike about this?
2: Mate, another brand with an NFT marketplace Actually, Nike makes sense, but, like, some of the other ones, I'm just, like, so over them. But I will say it's on Polygon. This is huge. This, yeah, is, this, huge. Is, this is huge. This is a big deal. Yeah. This is a big deal. So Polygon are involved, and Nike and Adidas seem to have a bit of competition um, in the digital asset marketplace. As you know, Adidas partnered with Board Ape Yacht Club. Nike are now doing their virtual collection of footwear, apparel and accessories that will launch in January 2023. The platform will only use USD and all transactions will be recorded on the Polygon chain, but it would be interesting to see. They're quite neck and neck at the moment, Nike and Adidas, so it will be interesting to see which one wins the market share, Trace.
1: Yeah, I think that Nike have gone out a bit harder on this with their promotion and what Swoosh looks like and what they're planning to do. This one to me seems a bit bigger and better in their whole... Their plan seemed a little bit more grander. So we'll see how it plays out. Let's move on now then to our short, sharp news bites. I'll let you go first, Craig. Portuguese rookie,
2: you might have heard of him, Ronaldo, Cristiano Ronaldo. He's launching an NFT collection on Binance. So Ronaldo's been in the news lately talking shit about Manchester United, which I love. I love hearing that stuff. And now he's in the, in the news again with his NFT collection on Binance, which drops last Friday. So you, you've already missed it, guys, by the time this episode <laughs> airs. But maybe it hasn't uh, been sold out and maybe you can get one, but you got to sign up with the code RONALDO and you get a surprise NFT.
1: tell you what, how ballsy is it? It's the bottom of the market for the NFTs and he's like, no, nah, just drop the collection anyway. It's, I'm RONALDO. I'm fine. Yeah. Bottom of the market, drop my collection.
2: I, all good. I, I, I bet you uh. it's been delayed and-, and Constantly, and the yeah. CZ is just like, just
3: get it out, and it's probably just the worst time.
1: But before the All World right, Cup, well, though, so that's good. Mm, yeah, yeah, good timing. What else, Blake?
3: Celebrities like Tom Brady, Shaq and others are all being sued for endorsing FTX mm. the lawsuit being put forward will claim that FTX's fraudulent scheme was designed to take advantage of unsophisticated investors and i think we're going to see a lot more of this type of stuff come out cuz there there are a lot of people promoting FTX
1: yeah okay so like these poor these guys are all getting sam's not even in any real hot water yet and these guys are already getting sued it kind of doesn't make sense but
2: and how's that larry david super bowl ad and you pretend- and he did, he's, like, shunning FTX and Bitcoin. And now looking back on that ad, you're like, he was actually it's right. It's so, oh, so ironic. We'll put the link in.
1: Okay, so Steve Jobs' raggedy old sandals tied up with an NFT sold this week for $200,000. Yes, that is correct, $200,000. The dilapidated old Birkenstocks were worn by Steve Jobs during the early days of Apple uh, and were initially expected to fetch 60000 to 80000 but one lucky bidder paid 218000 to get their hands on a pair of these crappy old sandals that probably smelled horrid that Steve wore. So, yeah, and they also came with a 360-degree um, uh, non-fungible token as well. So don't know what that did, but apparently, yeah, there you go. Interesting.
2: Last story of the day, I've got Binance NFT users will now – so Binance is pretty much integrating OpenSea. Mm-hmm to Binance NFT. They seem to be putting a lot of effort into the NFT space. They've got Ronaldo now. They've got OpenSea listings. So they plan to integrate more marketplaces and chains all to the one place and also have updated metrics, data visualizations, and enhanced price analysis. So Binance are going hard at the Mm -hmm. moment. But there is another piece of news we haven't gotten here, Trace. So Binance now are in talks with Voyager. So Voyager, as we've covered in the past, we're going to get bailed out by FTX. I called
1: this last week. Carry on with your news.
2: So <laughs> so this is hot off the press, but Tracy apparently knew it was gonna happen. Um the the Oracle. Yeah. The yeah, oracle yeah. Over but, here. but they
1: were in a bidding war. It was obvious. They're in a bidding war to see who got them. They're in a bidding war together.
2: Well now Binance have no bidding. No, no bidding, bid, yeah. And they've got Voyager there for the taking. And as a result of the rumors, um, the Voyager token has been pumping. Um, because everyone sort of gave up on it. But, um, yeah, trade with caution. Yeah.
1: Well, that's good for the Voyager users. And- oh, it'd be, it'd be
2: awesome if Binance can come to an agreement oh, with them and they get paid back. Yep. Because right now, if, if you're a Celsius, BlockFi, FTX user, um, you know, the mm-hmm. road to getting the assets back seems like a long one. But if you're on Voyager, yeah. it's, you could get a resolution
1: soon. News from Craig, hot off the press that I told him last week. Excellent. Boom. And that's it for this. <laughs> that's it for this week. Uh, keep your questions coming in, and look, we'll, we'll keep you up to date with everything that's going on with FTX and all the other news that filters through as well. Uh, so do keep your emails coming to podcast at getbamboo.io and social media in the Facebook group. Don't forget to rate and review us wherever you're listening to your podcast right now, and we'll see you all next week. Thanks for listening.
3: Bye for now. See you guys.
4: Crypto Curious is a product of Equitymates Media. All information in this podcast is for education and entertainment purposes only. In a spirit of reconciliation, Equitymates Media and the hosts of Cryptocurious acknowledge the traditional custodians of country throughout Australia and their connections to land, sea and community. We pay our respects to the Elders past and present and extend that respect to all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people today. Hold up.